welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. This morning we have Bill S. who's going to speak to us for a few minutes, and we're going to welcome him up warmly, please, now. Hi, uh, my name's Bill. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, and I have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body as a result of taking uh, some suggested actions. Um, uh, I was told that the uh, topic or theme of the uh, uh, conference is going to be uh, taking the actions of love. And uh, a number of you may be familiar with that from the... Uh, reading uh that we have to open many of our meetings the solution uh it actually uh comes uh from page 145 of our white book uh where uh, Roy's writing about step 12 um, practicing the principles the end of step 12 quote and practice these principles in all our affairs end quote is not the end but the beginning for us by its very nature, our recover must go beyond the mere cessation of our acting out. Lust and dependency are more than sick externals. They strike at the very soul of our connection with God and others and have corroded the very heart of our humanity. That heart is what must be recovered, must be renewed. If we are to give this aspect of our program its due, we should give it special emphasis. Call it step 12 and one half. Quote, took the actions of love to improve our relations with others. Um, I've read a, 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 a lot of recovery literature from our fellowship and others, and uh, I think that's perhaps one of the most beautiful and succinct descriptions of uh, practicing these principles in all our affairs. Uh I want to offer a proposition that my uh, sponsor gave me in 1994-1995. I have shared this at this point with hundreds, maybe even a few thousand uh, alcoholics and sexaholics. And uh, I invite you to join this uh, research project. The proposition is this, that there are two and only two motives for any action that we take. Uh, one is love, which originates from a power greater than ourselves. And the other is fear, which originates from self. Now, if any of you ever find a third option, please let me know. Uh, because if you do, that changes everything. Uh, but I have worked on this uh, premise now for uh, over 20 years. I've found no exceptions. And the reason I think this is important is because whenever I have a problem, I know what the problem is. Uh, in the big book, it talks about how we're driven by a hundred forms of fear. Now, there's not that many fears, but it, it, it's kind of like an actor that wears a mask, very much like lust. It can look as if I'm afraid uh, that, uh, that uh, I'm going to lose my job. It may look as if I'm afraid that uh, my marriage is going to fail. It may look as if I'm worried that uh, uh, some other... Uh, 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 unpleasant events going to happen, but but when I start pulling it uh, pulling it apart, what I find is that I'm really what's really driving me is fear. Um, 
the the option is love. And uh the twelve steps uh are a set of actions which if I take the actions uh it it clears away uh the parts of self that are blocking me off uh from uh, from the life I want to have. And really what it is, is that uh, they're blocking me off from my higher power. Um, the uh, 12 and 12, on page 76, for those who care to check, uh, there's a, a comment that uh, the chief activator of our defects has been self-centered fear, primarily fear that we would lose something we already possess or would fail to get something we demanded. Uh, and, and that really has been my experience. Um, lust was never my problem. Most of you have heard this before. Lust was the solution for all my problems until it stopped being a solution and became a problem in its own. And when I start, when I start looking at all the things I was medicating with lust, every one of them turns out to be rooted in fear. If you look through the the, the uh, big book of the resentment inventory, where it has uh, has the, uh, uh, the for initially has the three columns, and uh, uh, in each one of the resentments, fear shows up in parentheses for every resentment. And uh, then, when we get to column four, it says we look for our, our mistakes. Uh, and, and that's an important word for me. A mistake is something I can correct, okay? Uh, the mistakes I made are not who I am. The mistakes I made are who I am not. If they were who I am, I'd be okay. If I really am a horse thief, I'll steal your horse, and I will not feel bad about it. Okay, but if I steal something from you, the reason that I feel bad about it is because even though I stole something, I'm just not a thief. I've done something that is is not consistent with who I really am. And 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 the reason I stole from you, it's always because I was afraid. Whenever, uh, so the mistakes I, I get to consider is where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or frightened? Later in harms to others, where was I uh, uh, in, inconsiderate uh, and selfish? Well, the reason that I'm on these things is, again, because I'm afraid. If I'm being selfish, it's because I'm afraid that uh, my higher power doesn't have enough for everybody to have enough. If I'm being dishonest, it's because I'm afraid of the results if I tell you the truth. It always takes me back to fear. And the reason that I I hammer this home is because uh, on page 68 of the big book, there is a very clear solution to fear. It tells me precisely what what I need to do. And the promise at the end of that is, at once we commence to outgrow fear. When I uh, when I first started working with my sponsor, I, they had just let me out of uh, out of the nut house. Uh, I was I was slightly less suicidal than I was when I went in, but I was still holding as my ace in the hole that if this doesn't work out, I am going to end it all. And I was terrified. Uh, I would go to sleep at night. I would go to bed at night around 10 or 11 o'clock. I'd, I'd, I'd lay there in bed uh, worrying, which is another form of fear, about all the terrible things that were going to happen uh, in the next day, week, month. Uh, and, uh, and, and finally, somewhere around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd fall asleep. And then uh, somewhere around five o'clock, I'd I'd wake up with this sense of impending calamity and doom. Didn't have to get out of bed until uh, uh, six or, or seven o'clock, but I would lay there 
again and, and, and worry some more about all the terrible things that were coming my way. And uh, this went on for uh, months. Uh, and, and, and every so often I would be so exhausted from lack of sleep that I would, I would fall into a, a deep sleep for 10 hours or so. But as soon as I woke up, the fear was right, right there again. And, uh, I started working the steps with my sponsor, uh, uh, promptly, uh, after, after I got out of the, the hospital. Uh, and, and we, uh, we started on the inventory. And when we got the fear inventory, I started, uh, taking the instructions. And that promise is at once, which means like when you do this, you can expect results at once. We commence. Well, a commencement is just a beginning to outgrow. I, you know, you plant an acorn today and come back tomorrow and there's no oak tree. Damn it. And, uh, and, and you water it and come back next week and there's still no oak tree. But you come back in a little while and there's a, uh, there's this little sprig and then you come back in a decade or so and there's a tree. And at some point, uh, you, you see this incredible oak. Um, and that was my experience with commencing to outgrow fear. I wanted, I wanted something that was like flipping off a light switch. The way that, uh, the way that, that looking at pornography for, you know, five or ten minutes would do. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, that's not how that worked. What, what I was experiencing though was, was that gradually, uh, I was, I was no longer terrified most of my waking hours. And I remember, uh, after we'd been working together a, a few months, one day, uh, uh, my, uh, sponsor asked me, uh, he, he said, you, you look like you feel pretty good. How'd you sleep last night? I said, well, I slept pretty well last night. He says, oh really? How about the night before that? Oh yeah, I slept okay there. Says so, so. When is the last time that you weren't able to sleep? See, I didn't realize what had happened until somebody pointed it out. But I had had commenced to outgrow fear. Um. In Doctor Bob's last talk, um, to the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous shortly before his death. Uh, there's, there's a line in there. Our 12 steps, when simmered down to the last, resolve themselves into the words love and service. We understand what love is, and we understand what service is. For me, the secret of the joy in my recovery has been taking the actions of love to improve my relations with others. I, I have been blessed with a profession that I enjoy more today than I have at any point in my life. Uh, and I've had some really good times over the last 30 something years uh but but what i've uh, what what has happened as i've been in recovery is that uh that instead of my job looking at like a way to uh, earn a paycheck it has become an opportunity for me to to help other people some of them are grateful and some of them aren't but see when i take the actions of love to help others at the end of the day, I'm okay with me and my higher power. And that's, that's a, for me, that's just been a, uh, a really wonderful way, uh, to, for me to, to grow in this recovery business. Uh, I'm sitting here looking around here, realizing how many of the faces here are familiar. Uh, some of you I simply know because we've been in some meetings together. Some of you I've heard some, uh, some, uh, 
parts of your story that 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 I suspect you prefer not be published in the local newspaper. Okay, some of you have heard uh, some of the uh, details of my story that would best be uh, best be not shared widely. Not because I'm afraid of what happens to me, but because uh, I don't want other people who care about me and might not understand uh, to to be hurt by uh, by the revelations. And uh, and the thing is that 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 see I know that that you that that you accept me as. Uh, a, a, a sexaholic in recovery, and you know I didn't come in here uh, uh, because I saw something on a billboard one day and was embarrassed about it. None of us came in here on a winning streak. And and uh, Harvey's original uh, sponsor, some of you've heard him refer to, it's a fellow named uh, uh, Cherry Carpenter. Cherry Carpenter died in 1989 before I uh, got into recovery. And Cherry's still pissing people off in AA meetings here in Nashville at least once a month. But, uh, but Cherry said something that I really love. He told Harvey that he said, you know, I'd rather be despised for who I am than love for who I am not. And today... There, I'm sure there's some people who, who don't particularly care for me, but there are people who genuinely love me. And they love me not despite my shortcomings, but precisely because of my flaws and imperfections, because that's what allows us to connect as flawed human beings seeking to grow more and more into the person that we were created to be. See, if, if any one of you were perfect, it would be very difficult for me to relate to your perfection. But when you share your imperfection, that's the point at which we connect. Okay, now I'm, I'm not saying we sit around and wallow in, 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 in uh, shame and self-pity and so forth. Uh, what I'm saying is we acknowledge our imperfections and we say, and this is what we're going to do to grow more and more into who we were created to be. Now in order for me to offer love, I have to I have to have the love to offer. Our 11-step prayer of St. Francis says starts off, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace that where there is hatred I may bring love. That where there's wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. And it goes on. But see, the love, forgiveness, hope, faith, truth, light, that does not originate in Bill. It's, I'm the channel. It come, the, the, the love I have to offer has to come from my relationship with my conception of my higher power. See, I am a beloved child of a loving and gracious uh, higher power. And my higher power delights in me. If your higher power doesn't delight in you, maybe you should find another higher power. I shared this with a man that I was sponsoring some years ago, and uh, he, he lives in in uh, Ohio, I was living in Spartanburg, South Carolina at the time, and I shared that with him. And he said, "That's pretty good." And I thought, "Thought pretty good, my ass. This is this is pearls that I've obviously cast before a swine." <laughs> Didn't say it out loud, but boy, I thought it. And uh, and and so we went on. And I, I, we we were we were doing the going through the big book over the phone, and I just let that go, and we went on and did the work and. Uh, we would talk about once every week. So the next week, uh, when he when 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 he uh, called me, uh, he said he said, "Bill, I've got it." Well, now when a, a, a sexaholic new in sobriety says, "I've got it," the obvious question a sponsor should ask is, "What is it you have?" <laughs> he says he says, "Well, I thought about what you said, and it was pretty good, but but it didn't just connect with me." And I thought about it, and I 
came up with the uh, image that my God danced the day I was born. So you don't have to have a God that delights in you or a God that danced the day that you were created. You don't need, it doesn't have to be uh, be that that connection that I have or that Mike has. But boy, you better find your own. Okay, that's really important. Because if I don't, if I don't, uh, if I don't have a source for love, I don't have it to offer. And when I, when I, but when I'm receiving it, I have to give it away. Some of you may have heard this before, but um, in in uh, uh, in Israel, and well, actually in Lebanon uh, as well, uh, uh, the the mountains in Lebanon uh, collect water uh, in the form of rain and snow, uh, and as it flows downhill and comes together, it forms uh, a river called the Jordan River which flows uh, pretty much the, the length of Israel. And, uh, and, and, and at one place, it widens into a rather, uh, a rather large body of water known as the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and the Sea of Galilee uh, is filled with, with fish and all kinds of, of life. And the uh, and, and then uh, on the southern end of the Sea of Galilee, the, the the river continues to flow down to a place called the Dead Sea, which is the saltiest body of water on on Earth. And uh, it is it is so salty that it's called the Dead Sea because nothing can live in it. So the Sea of Galilee receives the water and passes it on, and it's filled with life. And the Dead Sea receives the water and holds on to it, and it is indeed dead. So we have a saying in here that the only way you get to keep it is to pass it on. And I am very convinced uh, that that is true for me. Um. People ask me why do you uh, why do you sponsor uh, uh, other people? Why do you take the time that you do in your recovery? And uh, the reason is because, first of all, a sense of gratitude. Because I really was I was near death when I found you guys. It was going to be a 12 gauge shotgun, a 44 uh, Magnum to the head, or a single vehicle motor crash. That was that. Was, those were my options that I had when I got here, and today I am truly happy, joyous, and free. Um, and and uh, and I I feel so very full that it just kind of it kind of flows out, and I got to do something with it. And uh, and the people who seem to to appreciate. Uh, what I have to offer uh, are people who are wanting to live on a spiritual basis. Now, I get when I go to work, I get an opportunity to take the actions of love, and a lot of a lot of like I say, a lot of people appreciate what I do at work. Uh, but but then after they after they leave uh, leave the office, it's it's kind of like they have their own lives. They want to go out, uh, but the relationships I have that are lasting, deep, and ongoing uh, seems to be with people, not just in recovery, but, but people who want to live on a spiritual basis. So in order to be a channel, I have to, I have to clear out whatever it is that's blocking the flow. And again, this is, this is where the actions of our program, the 12 steps, uh, come into play. Um, In the discussion around uh, step four on page 64, it talks about how our inventory will be a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. Uh, Important point here, to face and be rid of. 
See, I'm not just making an inventory of all all my defects so that I can pull them out every so often and play with them and admire them, polish them, and put them back on the shelf till the next time I come to play with them. The idea is I'm going to find them, I'm going to identify them, and I'm going to get rid of them. Well, how's that going to happen? A few pages later, it says, we hope you are convinced now after you have written your inventory before step five, we hope you are convinced now, that's what that now is, that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from Him. So the problem that's blocking me off from God, thank, thank God it is self-will. It's not, it's not you people that are getting in the way of my relationship with God. It's not all those other people who appeared on my resentment inventory, and God knows some of them did some pretty nasty things. But they're not the problem. The problem is my self-will. Oh, well, that's the good news, because if I'm not the problem, there is no solution. If the problem is had really been my now former wife 20 years ago, then I would have had to wait for her to stop creating problems for me in order for my life to get better. And she was a very angry woman. I would have been in deep, serious trouble. The good news is all I had to do was quit playing with matches and I would find there were fewer burns in my life. Wow. Step five, we discuss it with another person and find out that not my experience was, God, how ego-deflating. I wasn't that special. Hell, the first was, I'm not unique. That was a blow. Then, after talking with my sponsor and a few dozen of you people, I realized not only that, I'm not particularly special. I'm just a garden variety sexaholic. Now, that's good news to the, that's good news for my recovery. It's bad news for the ego. But that, 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 that son of a bitch was never my friend anyway. So, so let's deflate him a little bit. And then step six and seven basically acknowledges, you know, God, I've been carrying this stuff around with me for a very long time. It's not working at all, and I don't know how to set it down. Will you please take it away from me? Um, my, my, my sponsor, again, told me about something his sponsor, uh, Crazy Ray, told him after, after he, he was praying about his fear. And... Uh, who called his sponsor and says, Ray, I did the prayers like you said, and I'm still afraid it's just not working. And Ray says, Rick, you've got to mean it. So with, when I first sat down, I looked at, at some of the stuff that was really painful for me that had harmed my relationships with people that I really and truly cared about, and I wanted this to get better, and I was truly willing to surrender those defects. Now, there were some other defects that really were more of a problem for some other thems who deserve the problems, and I was not really serious about removing those defects or letting go of those defects. Well, as time went on, like water on a stone, this this program took away some of that selfish and self-centeredness so that I became willing to have those defects removed. Now, my, uh, my, my wife is quite willing to point out to anyone who cares to know that I still have a few left. And, and she, part of her prayers is, God, please don't give up on Bill yet. There's so much more work for you to do for him. Uh, but, uh, but the, but the truth is that I am, I, I am not the man who walked in to this fellowship on September 4th, 1993. It's not that I have changed, uh, because I don't have the power to change. It's that I have been transformed which is much more fundamental than superficial change. I have been transformed as a result of the actions of this program. Practice in a fellowship of people like yourselves who are also seeking a spiritual way of life. And it is in that fellowship that I, that I see your growth and am 
become, and then become aware of my own. I, I told, uh, uh, Mark, I don't, I don't know if Mark's in the room right now, I don't see him, but I told Mark after he did that, the remarkable job he did in the breakout session this morning, that he is not the man I met a decade ago. Okay? Uh, and, and, uh, and, and I can point around the room to a lot of, a lot of you folks, and I, I don't want to embarrass you, but, but some of you guys, when you came in here, um, the smart money really wasn't betting on you. Okay? Promise you in 1990, they weren't, they weren't thinking that anything good was going to happen to Bill. But as a result of becoming willing to take the actions and then taking the actions, uh, I've had some really remarkable results. I'm going to uh, close with with uh, this, and it's 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 not it it it's not it may be a vision for you. It may just be part of of what I found along the way. Uh, there's a place in Israel called Masada. You can Google it. It's a place of a remarkable uh, uh, military uh, battle where a few hundred. Uh, uh, Jewish slaves held held an entire Roman legion at bay for several years. Now, as a as a uh, naval officer attached to the Marine Corps, uh, I mean, I, res- I respect uh, people who can put up a good fight. I, I, you know, the the volunteer state of Tennessee. Every time somebody had a fight, the reason where the volunteer state is, if you have a fight going, we're going to come get in it. Remember the Alamo. Who do you think it was that kicked the British butt in New Orleans? Who sent a greater per capita to, to, uh, to World War I than any other state in the country? I mean, you have a fight, we're in it. Okay? But I have never heard of a fight like that. A few hundred people holding off an entire Roman legion for years. That impresses the hell out of me. I want to see it. And every time I got to the Mediterranean on a U.S. naval warship, we could, sometimes we'd get and you could see there's the coast of Israel there, but we're not going in this time. So that was one of the things that's just on the bucket list that probably won't get, won't get, uh, X'd off. Uh, I'm, by the way, I'm not going to summit Everest either. A lot of things. It's a big planet. I've done some wonderful things that you can't do at all. Even you young guys, you, you ain't going to get to it all. But but this recovery business will give you a shot at a lot more of it. So uh, six years ago, uh, six years and two months ago, Harvey asked me if I'd like to go to Israel to give a talk. I said, well, of course. And I did. And by the way, while I was there, I went to Masada. And, uh, and, and I made some friends over there. And, and uh, uh, a few years after that, I went back. I made some more friends. The last time I was there, I was there for three weeks for the international convention. I stayed in the hotel for the international convention, I think, two or three nights. And the rest of the time, I did not stay in a hotel. I stayed in the homes of friends. I've had the same experience in Germany, Poland. In 1993, I would go to work. I would come home. In those days, we didn't have cell phones. We had landlines primarily. We had answering machines. And if you got a message, there would be a blinking red light. And I never had a blinking red light. But I'd always have to punch the button to be told you have no new messages. Nobody wanted to talk to me in 1993. I didn't want to talk to me in 1993. Today, when I go places and I meet people, frequently, not everybody, not all the time, but frequently people will choose to enter a relationship with me. 
I am in good health as far as I know. I plan to be around for a while, but the truth is I'm much closer to the end of my life than I am to the beginning. And I'm a little more reflective today in a way that I haven't been in the past. And um, and I, I've slept indoors uh, for the last few years. I get to eat when I need to. I, you know, I've got transportation. But when people ask me about what's the real treasure in my life today, it's the, it is the relationships. And my attachment, such as it is, my real attachment uh, to being to, to to my life and to 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 this world is really the people in it. I've got I've got uh, I, there there there's a, a young woman. She's about eleven years old right now, uh, and 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 I'm supposed to be at her wedding in about eight or nine years. I'm willing. If if that works out, but see, then when I'm at her wedding, it's going to be well. How about you're going to be here when when my uh, children are born? Well, I'm willing. Well, how about when my children graduate high? You see where? But it's about the relationships. It's not about am I going to be here when my stock splits and I have you know I have you know an extra. Uh, quarter of a million dollars that I didn't expect or or whatever it's not about stuff anymore so so that for me that's that's what has been transformed remember what is it that that the 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 fear I'm going to repeat it the fear that I would lose something I already possessed or would fail to get something that I demanded things see today if you if you ask me about about what's important it's not the things now i want to tell a story and this is personal and uh, hope hope you don't think it's in bad taste but this is about fear and love so, some of you are aware that I have a son who is addicted to opioids. And the problem with being addicted to opioids is most it's hard to find a doctor that will write you a prescription for enough opioids. Because as an addict, there's never enough. How many here saw enough pornography? Uh-huh. Yeah, there we go. How many here how many here had enough lust? See, there's the problem. So for him there is no enough. And that means he has to buy drugs on the street. The problem with drugs on the street is quality control. When they sell you a pill that that it you you look it up in the 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 reference book and this pill is clearly a 60 milligram oxycodone looks perfectly like it you may or may not be aware i am because of the nature of my business i can get online and and by day after uh to no that no by so by next next tuesday or wednesday i can have the little pill press that allows me to make a perfect counterfeit oxycodone. And the thing is, I, uh, the, 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 the pushers, they're not, they're, they're not putting, uh, uh, cornstarch or some, uh, something else in the, their fake pills. They're putting fentanyl, which is about, uh, 150 to, to, to 500 times as potent as oxycodone. So you think you're getting, uh, 60 milligrams of oxycodone. If you've got 5 milligrams of fentanyl, it's gonna kill you. You're gonna stop breathing, you're gonna die. And my son has already been to the emergency department, uh, uh, in the back of an ambulance two or three times. And, uh, spent some time in the ICU because of this but uh uh it, it you know it 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 hasn't quote unquote scared him sober by the way how many of you got got sober the first time you you were terrified 
Say, there it is. Okay. So anyway, I've been been going through this for a while. And uh <clears throat> something something came up a, a, I guess we're getting close to two years now. And uh and and uh, my son was the 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 courts were gonna put my son in uh in into drug court. He and uh his his mother bailed him out to 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 protect him from any discomfort that might come from his uh his opioid addiction. And uh so he, he now that he's not in jail and 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 uh doesn't have a hearing and for a while and so forth, he he now he can medicate the withdrawal by going back to the streets and buying drugs. And uh, I didn't want to kill kill his mom. I just wanted to shake her until the stupid was all out. Okay. And uh, fortunately, she was not in my physical presence, and and that 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 was good for a lot of folks. But I sat down and I uh, started writing the 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 inventory. I'm resentful at because affects my pray for spiritually sick person, and she is. Well, hell, she married me. Does that not say enough? Pray for a spiritually sick person. Look for my mistakes and fear, and then go through the fear inventory on page sixty-eight. So here's how the fear inventory looks. I'm afraid that Richard will die of an overdose. Does that sound like a pretty good fear? Well, see, that's not really what I'm afraid of. What I'm afraid of is that if Richard dies of an overdose, uh, I'm afraid of the emotional pain that's going to cause. That's a little more honest. But that's not really the truth. I worked with a little while longer, and this is as close to the truth as I've been able to get. I am afraid that if my son dies of an overdose, that I will be so emotionally devastated that I will be unable to show up for any of the other relationships in my life. That is a lie. Okay, That's the lie that feeds the fear. See, the fear that I'm afraid that my son might die, that, that, that's a shiny fear that I can go sell to any of you folks, and you guys will buy that and nod and say, oh, you poor fella. But when I get down to this selfish, self-centered, oh, how's it going to affect me? The other part is it's just a damn lie. I know from personal experience of losing two other family members since I got into recovery, that when a family member dies, it hurts. And I grieve. And if I'm if I'm in recovery and doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I grieve with other people. And other people come alongside me and walk with me through the grief. And the grief gradually decreases. And over a period of time, what I'm left with is the joy of the relationship of the person that I've lost. Now, that's my own personal experience. And I've watched other people, both in my own family and uh, people that, that with whom I'm very close, who have also lost children, who've lost children to drug overdoses. And I've watched that they, too, walk a similar path if they continue on a spiritual basis. So this fear is a lie. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid because I've told myself a lie to scare myself, and I believe the lie, so now I'm scared. All right? So so uh, I ask God to remove this fear and show me what he would have me to be, and the list is, is very simple. Any, uh, for for every fear I have, almost every fear I have, what would God have me be? Well, if I'm afraid, the first thing he'd have me be is loving. Because love will trump fear every damn time. Okay? Supportive trust, I, you know, I, I can make the, the list, but I go through this. 
I ask him to show me what he would have me to be. That means I ask the question and then I listen in meditation. And as the answers come and I start taking that action, the promise is at once I commence to outgrow fear. Okay. Now, let's, let's, truth. Am I, am I happy about the prospect that my son might die of an overdose? Of course not. Does that fear drive me? No, it does not. Do I, do I still want to shake my, my, my former wife and, and help her see the error of her ways? Not particularly. So I can be at peace with a situation with which, of which I do not approve, but I'm not being driven by fear. Well, if I'm not being driven by fear, there's an opportunity that I might be guided by love. Now, I'm going to show you what kind of higher power I've got. I was talking with someone earlier. Uh, You know, uh, God is awesome. No, no, no. You don't get it, Bill. God is awesome. He's he's. Greater than anything you can imagine. No, Bill, he's really big. You look at pictures from the Hubble telescope, okay? Okay? Bigger than that. Oh, see, I keep underestimating this God fella. So, a couple of weeks ago, I'm sitting at my dining room table with a man who's in this room right now. And we're going through a fifth step. He's working through the steps again with a group. He'd written his inventory, and we're going through it. And I get a phone call from my 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 wife, and she says, "Can you talk?" I said, "No, we're in not not for long, and we're in the middle of a uh, uh, of step five. And she says, "Well, call me as soon as you can. Uh, the shit is at the fan, and your grandson is coming to live with us." Okay. Okay. Now we finished the uh the inventory. We we parted. He 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 lives out of town, which is kind of why I didn't say let's break this off and this was so we wrapped it up within I'd say probably an hour. He he was going it was it was the Saturday before Easter, so he had some place to be the next day. So we finished. I didn't have to rush him out, but he left and then I called my wife. And so ever since that Saturday before Easter, my 16-year-old grandson has been living with us. Okay? I'm 66. He's, that's a half a century difference. Now, if you'd asked me five years ago, what are you going to be doing when you're 66? I wouldn't say, well, I'm going to be raising an adolescent. He, this young fella, he knew he could no longer live with his father. His mother, his mother is the custodial parent. She's got the legal rights to say where he's going to live. He had, he didn't want to live with his dad. And between his, 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 his mom's sister or me, he said, I'd much rather live with Papa Bill. Remember 1993? You have no new messages. 2018. I'd rather live with my grandfather. If you will take the radical step of following the actions in the book, just say, screw fear. I'm not going to be driven by this anymore. I'm done. I'm going to take the actions. Go through the rest of it. The big book gives the instructions. It really does. This book also has some really good suggestions. Like, practice the principles in all our affairs means take the actions of love to improve our relations with others. And when you do that, you don't have to do it perfectly because God knows I haven't. 
Just do it consistently. I was seeing a difference within a year. By five years, I couldn't imagine how it could have gotten better. But the old timers said, oh, it gets better. You know, I'm sitting here, uh, if I, if I'll just stay sober, uh, till some, till, 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 uh, September, I'll have 20, 25 years of recovery in SA. I had no idea that my life was going to be like this when I showed up. I just wanted to not go to prison for my sexual perversion, and I would prefer that, that I not have to kill myself in order to avoid prison. That's what I hoped you guys could show me. And you did. But you gave me so much more. And I am very excited about what the future holds. And, and I'm going to close with this. Um, I was talking with somebody about how much I'm enjoying my life and the relationships. And I said, but you know, one of these days, it's going to be time for me to stand face to face with my Creator. And I'm not particularly afraid of that. Because look at all the good things he's done for me here. I don't have any idea what he's got in store for me, but I know what I want to be able to say is, listen, I got a whole list of things that I need to thank you for, and this is going to take some time. So I hope that, uh, that if, if you, if you will just follow this path, that you can find the same joy that so many of the men that I followed and so many of the men that have, have joined me on this journey have been able to find. And thank you for inviting me. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.